Hello and welcome to another episode of Paradox, untold stories from the athletic directors in our country. I want to thank you for uh, tuning in again. I want to also thank our sponsor, uh, Ticket Spigot, the official ticketing sponsor of the NIAAA. And uh, joining us today is Mr. Mike Elson. And Mike, we're just excited to have you. Welcome to our show. Danielle, Dustin, thank you so much for having me. And I'm looking forward to spending a a fun hour with both of you. And as we mentioned, as, as Mike mentioned, Danielle LaPointe, Dr. Danielle LaPointe is my tag team partner in this, um, my partner mm -hmm. in crime, if you will. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'll let Danielle introduce our guest and let's get this thing started. Well, thank you. You didn't introduce yourself, Dr. Dustin Smith, my, my partner in crime, um, but I am extremely Excited to have Mike with us here today. Mike Ellison, he's the TIAAA Executive Director. Um, he's really involved with the NIAAA on multiple levels. He is the curriculum, he's on the curriculum development team and he's a cohort mentor as well. Um, he's also an adjunct professor at Belmont University, which is very cool. Um, I've gotten to know Mike pretty well over the last couple of months, and I'm really excited to hear some of his stories today because I'm very much inspired by his drive to help ADs and like his desire to just improve the athletic administration profession. Um, it's something I'm, I'm a strong believer in thinking outside the box, and I think that, Mike, you do that, um, and, and it's very inspiring to me. So I'm hoping you inspire uh, other ADs across the country today as well. So thank you for being here with us today. Awesome. Thank you, Danielle. Mike, I, I want to ask, I always ask this question just because I think it's relevant. Um, but what does the resume not tell us about who Mike Elson is? Uh, we've, we've read through your accolades and we talk about that. And actually, we didn't read a whole long list of them. There's a, we'd be here for three hours if we went through all the accolades that Mike Elson is, is worthy of. But tell us something that the resume doesn't tell us about who Mike Elson is. Uh, I didn't put down, but it should be like a BS or a BA um, house painter. I have been uh, <laughs> painted houses on the side for a number of years. And for all of us in education, we could put that extra little um, degree, if you will, of, of things outside of education that you have to do to, to make a living, if you will, especially in the early years of, of um, when I started at our school. But you know, I'm a grandfather, and I don't think I, I put that on there. Two grandsons in Huntsville, Alabama, and my wife and I have been married 37 years. So we have three wonderful children, and it's just been a blast. Uh, the school, I'm, I'm leaving June 30th. When I started here, we had, no, um, we had no children. So to see that unfold as a family into being a grandparent has been kind of crazy, but yeah, the painting and the toilet cleaning and the weed eating and all those things are the um, are the extras that I've enjoyed that you don't, you won't see on the resume. Do you, do you hire out or is that something that's bygone because you're quitting up to June thirtieth? <laughs> oh yeah, we, we um, maybe I need to jump back into house painting, but you know I learned a long time ago to use a tapered three inch brush and paint the old wood windows. Everybody now replaces them with what the, the aluminum or metal windows, but um, you know, back in the day, everybody had wood windows. So learning how to do that 
and then being able to take that in and paint the locker room and, you know, paint a bus or whatever it might be um, was a lot of fun and, and uh, direct correlation or connection. Wait, wait a minute. Did you say paint a bus? Uh, I was, sure. I was going to get on that one too. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of it would be maybe touch up or whatever, but think about the world of being an AD designing a bus. What's on the outside of the bus? What is the messaging? What's the branding? And um, you want it to look clean, right? And up to date. So if it starts fading, you throw a little paint on. So you were rapping before rapping was cool is what you're telling me. <laughs> trying. Trying to. W-R-A-P-I-N-G, not R-A-P. There you go. There you go. Branding, right? right. I want both. I want both. <laughs> now, if you were Mike the Rapper, what would your what would your rap name be, Mike? Oh, <laughs> on the spot. <laughs> I, that's a la If anybody knows me, they know that's the last thing you're going to. That is not on the resume. <laughs> we'll get we'll get Dan, Dan Talbot in here and let him start rapping. Yeah, Dan, Dan or Steve Throne, one of those two. Exactly. <laughs> uh, well, I know okay, you've well, had a really long, you know, career. You're talking about 34 years. Um, so I, I, I know you have some stories in those those 34 years. I know you got some good ones. Well, I've been thinking about this, and um, you know, it's hard to, you know, tie them all into three and keeping everybody innocent without naming any names, but. <laughs> You know, when you start a school, I was very blessed to get to start a school from scratch and to get to be the first coach and the first AD for over three decades. But back in the day, uh, let's go late 80s, we played an independent school schedule. And what that meant is we were trying to find games with anybody that said they were a school. So we found some church schools and we brought one in and I was coaching basketball at the time and we brought him in and, and the, um, it was really conservative. And I can say this because I graduated from a Bible college. The girls were wearing culottes and the guys were like in sweats in pants. They couldn't wear, you couldn't wear shorts. And I actually played college basketball and had to wear sweats going to an ultra conservative school. But anyway, so We've got a, a, one of the students playing the drums on the stage. And this church school walks in and they say, they said, you better stop the drums or um, we're leaving. And they had driven like an hour and a half to play the game. And you got to understand, you're so desperate just to find schools that you can play before you're in like the state association. And I'm like, you know, his nickname was Wild Man. And I'm like, Wild Man, you got to you got to shut. You got to stop. Uh, you can't play. And so he had, all, you know, done everything to set up. Anyway, we play the game. We probably won by 40 or 50 points. So we schedule, you know, home and away. So we go to their school, church school. The deacons and the elders are the officials. <laughs> we took a 40 to 50 point victory. We ended up getting blown out by 30 or 40. I got teed up twice. Now, 
I don't know where this ranks in your list of so of crazy stories so far, but when you think about going to an opponent and seeing the elders and the deacons being the officials, you tell me who's making the calls. So looking back on my career and thinking through the, it, it, both of y'all are looking like stunned, like it's hard <laughs> to think about it. I have so many questions. Like I, I'm, they're just piling up in my head right now. Like why couldn't you play the drums and like holy conflict of interest. And there's just so many thoughts going on. Well, you, we couldn't play the drums because they couldn't have, they didn't have music and they thought it was offensive. It was rock and roll that we were playing the drums just to try to get the gym alive. And, and so that for one, and then, you know, we were using sanctioned officials, even though we weren't in the state association. Little did I know being a brand new 20 something year old coach that we were going to be going to church schools where the, they tried to, they needed to save money. And that's why they were using the elders and the deacons as their service to, to, to the community. And for me, and I've been at a Christian school, but for me to get teed up a couple of times, thankfully you didn't get thrown out back then. That was not a good reflection on our school, but I was hot. So, <laughs> so let me ask, let me ask this question, Mike, just from an elder and deacon perspective, and I've been in several churches in my life, and I'm thinking the elders and deacons are there about to do the right thing. You'd think. So this wasn't the case, apparently. <laughs> I mean, clearly, if you got two technicals, it wasn't the right thing. We've heard, where's the beef? And I was asking, where's the balance? You know, because I mean, it was a struggle mental image in my head right now of like what happened during this game it's like i I can't talk (laughs) and loving you know we all love and respect officials but that was i and i never saw it again in my whole career but that one moment i'm like wow and you've heard of you know schools feeling hosed when they go on the road or whatever, but that might've been the ultimate hosing. <laughs> so I've heard, I've heard some school board members be some, some officials in some places, uh, but I've never heard deacons and elders being the officials. And I, I think about our buddy, Jim Harris, and I say our buddy, because I know Jim's a buddy of yours too. Yeah. And, and Jim probably would have gotten thrown out even when you couldn't get thrown out back in the day, if that was the case. Because uh, he'd been thrown out. He got thrown out of JV basketball games. Well, and let me let me share the rest of the story. So here's how bad it was. And this, God rest his soul, this gentleman just passed away a couple weeks ago. He was in his 90s. One of the dads, an older dad, was so mad at the deacons, elders, slash officials that his wife would not ride home with him 90 minutes. She ends up riding home with the senior pastor's wife and the senior pastor ends up taking this dad of ours home. He was so mad. Whew. If that tells you the rest of the story. But they didn't take this you home. This was a good night. This was a good <laughs> night for you. <laughs> it's definitely in the memory bank of this, my 35th year at this school it definitely stands out as one that's like hard to believe it even happened, but by golly, it sure did. 
So were you AD at the time too? Yeah, I mean, you know, for the first couple of years, like 87 through 89, I was doing all the AD work. I was the only coach coaching multiple sports. So officially I was like the AD for over 30 years. But, um, you know, at the time, yes, I was acting AD, scheduling officials, doing all the things an AD does, but it didn't land on my contract until 89 or 90. So I'm I'm wondering just what's that conversation like from AD to coach at that point? When you get two technicals, what does the AD say to the coach at that point? Well, I've got the senior pastor and all the board members on my side. So there was no reprimand. And they were like, <laughs> we would have been so hot. You at least handled yourself in a decent manner. Um, but they were they were like in disbelief. They're like, is this what we're, we've created a school you know, to go compete against and, uh, you know, or build an athletic program around. Um, but it was definitely, wow. And I can't believe I did, forgot to say the rest of the story on that. Dad. Did you, did you ever play that school again? We did not. That was a, <laughs> that was a <laughs> two and done. Uh, a one year <laughs> wonder. We've heard of one and done. Well, like 80s, 80s talk, right? Especially when you're independent and and you're trying to find schools of um, your like status. So how how do they even get other schools to play them after that gets out? Like, I wouldn't want to step into that. You're setting yourself into a very bad position. Well, there were like 20 schools that you were trying around the state of Tennessee that, you know, you're just scrambling to find competition. And so you just had to, it's kind of like taking a charge in the lane. You just had to take it. Um, but boy, did that teach me to be prepared next time we went into what we thought was a nice little uh, pristine area of the state in schools. And um, you had to be prepared for anything. In right. other words, there ain't, there ain't no love in this little town. <laughs> right. Okay. Especially with, even with deacons and elders. I mean, you would think of all people. That just blows my mind that that you would get that kind of treatment. Um, and I understand the quote unquote saving money. Um, I get that. I mean, we've all done that as ADs trying to save money, but man, I, I can't understand how you how you can put your head on your pillow at night thinking we did the right thing. But not so, even to like tell you. It would have been different if one calls are decent, right? But also like, hey, heads up, this is what we do. Don't be shocked when you come into our gym. That really would have set the whole tone for a much better experience instead of walking in and you're like, what? I'm sorry, what? <laughs> and remember, what set the tone for, for both games was the drummer. Remember, when they walked into our gym, when we played them in November, and then you go back in what, January, and you're like in shock. Um, been, I, don't I would have been calling before. the drummer. I would have been like, get to the school now. Go. <laughs> get over here. <laughs> so, get let, let me ask this question, Mike. If if you had gone there in November and they come to your place in January or whatever, would you have had the drummer in hindsight? Would you just left him on there and just said, hey, it's our place. We're going to have the drummer there. I would have, but when they're threatening to walk out the door. Right. Like, and you you want to play the game. We just, I, you know, you look at the student athletes, which is why we all got into this. You're like, we're just going to have, like I said, take a charge in the lane and um, eat crow or however you want to frame it up. So, I mean, just, just going from a 40 to 50 point win to getting blown out at their place. 
and it wasn't like it was a totally different team. Exactly. That's exactly. There may have been eight, you may have been playing against eight of them. Yeah. Well, back. Yeah. Remember back in the day, there were like two and right. Here's the problem: who's working the book? Who's working the clock? You know, who's taking the tickets? All of those things we deal with as, <laughs> as ads, right. and it was their volunteer service. <laughs> Cooking the books, as you, as some could say. <laughs> well, this just, is a story that I'm like, I'm struggling to wrap my head around because it's so extreme in one. Like, I mean, I get it, but oh, and to just be treated in such a poor manner is just it's unfortunate, and and it doesn't make you want to go back to that school, um, which is unfortunate for for both athletes on both teams, right? So now these both kids essentially lost a potential opponent so yeah this is just i don't know what i would do if i walked into it Uh, i I think some of that is it's just unfortunate for kids uh Mm -hmm. i mean forget the the deacons and the elders and all that stuff it's just unfortunate for kids and why we do what we do is for kids uh and just trying to give them a fair shake and a fair attempt at this thing um and to not have that opportunity for them is is unfair. Uh, it may have been fair for their kids. I don't know if it was fair for their kids, but it was really unfair for, for Mike's kids and, and for Mike as a coach and for, uh, I sympathize. I say I sympathize. I don't, I don't understand it from a private Christian school perspective, uh, because we don't have to, we, I haven't been at a school where I've had to had to do that just trying to find games to fill a schedule because we have games set up so I, I think that's a different dynamic that that I'm not used to and that I can't really put my mind around because I haven't been in that environment so I feel like and I'm glad that you point that up because that's a that's a really good point um Dustin but I have been in that exact situation where it's a brand new school it's independent you're trying to scramble to figure things out and with that being said, I feel like I'm on Mike's side heavily on this because I would never compromise the integrity of game and my athletes to, you know, to save that money. And if I did have to save money and cut quarters some places, I would still make sure that the integrity of that game was still there. That's something that I feel really strongly about. So it's kind of really, hopefully that's never happened. This is not a common thing. Our, our listeners can't resonate with that. And and um, they won't have to experience it, but that is unfortunate because I, I, I wouldn't do that, and I was in that situation, and Mike, you wouldn't either, and you were in that situation. Well, and you, you just, you know, again, you just pick yourself up, you learn from it, you see how you don't want to be, and um, what are you willing to compromise? What are you sacrificing for, for victory? Is that was my biggest takeaway? Like, we're not going to have a win at all cost, and you can sugarcoat it with acting like it's the right thing to do. Um, but that's, that wasn't the right thing to do. And, um, it, it ended up helping me in my career lay an early foundational lesson of this is how you do not want to be. And sometimes I I feel like those are the best lessons, right? What you don't want, like, I don't want to ever do that to someone and I don't want to be perceived this way. And sometimes those are the best lessons for ADs. That's right. And, And Mike got to experience that on the wrong end of things. So it wasn't like they were victorious and said, okay, now we go back and do this differently. This was a, they were on the wrong end of the scoreboard and the wrong end of the treatment. And that's where you can take this, hey, we're not going to do that. 
as we move forward. Uh, and and I, I'd be interested to know the conversation with the team in the locker room and leaving back and heading back to your place. It's an hour and a half drive. You're with them. Uh, what What's that discussion like to try to say, okay, sometimes life's going to throw you some things that you don't have planned. Well, one of my players I had to, who's now actually has children at our school, but I had to throw him off the bench. He was so mad and acting out. Like I said, I, I wasn't an angel getting teed up twice, <laughs> but um, I had to throw him off the bench and of course had to apologize to him um, because, you know, he was 16 years old. What, what are you going to do when you're seeing this unfold? And then you're seeing your own parents going just berserk at, you know, what looked like an imbalanced, unfair situation. But, you know, you go in the locker room, you're like, well, we're not we're not ever going to play them again. We've, we've stuck with our commitment. Um, but remember how you treat people really matters. And um, what goes around comes around. What's ironic about that whole scenario, that school, I don't think, survived another 10 years. I don't even think they're a school. And there were several smaller schools like that that I've watched dissolve uh, through 30 some years that, you know, for our school, I've watched us go from no fields and one building into if you pull up our school online, you'll see this just incredible, beautiful campus with plenty of a great theater and academic buildings, administration buildings, fields, courts, so on and so forth. So I felt like we took the negative and we turned it into a positive that this generation and future generations are going to benefit from. And you said that was yeah. early on in your your time. That wasn't like it was yesterday. That was early on in your time. And and I think it speaks a lot to the loyalty that you have to CPA that you have been there for 30 plus years, in spite of some of these challenging situations where you may have had to be the coach and the AD and coach multiple sports and paint the bus, apparently, uh, whatever all those other <laughs> things that you had to do. I think that's a testament to you and a takeaway that you can look back on some 30 plus years later and say, you know, that was a learning experience for me as an educator. And I know you're big into the growth mindset. And maybe that was a growth mindset for you back in the late 80s to say, hey, this may be spearheaded my growth mindset process as I got to learn from that early on in my career. Yeah, no, no doubt. And, you know, um, the word example is a big word for me. And so thinking about do you do things so people will look at you and think, oh, he's awesome or she's awesome? Or do you do things because you want others to emulate your behavior? And that was a big takeaway right there. We saw an example we didn't want to be like, so we turned it or flipped the script, if you will, into, okay, we're going to treat officials with respect. We're going to get the very best because we want to demonstrate respect for our opponents, uh, not just for ourselves. So yes, early on, that was a big takeaway. I mean, this just blows my mind. I just keep wrapping my mind around trying to figure this one out. And I know you've got more stories that we're going to get to dive into, but whew, I know. A, a humdinger, as they say, just to get started. And I really want there to be like film of this. Like I want to see <laughs> the 20-something Mike get <laughs> go on the sideline just going crazy. I want to see it. There's probably not film, though, is there? Oh, there, there's some film because I – you know, there was no way I was sitting in the chair as a coach. 
and have <laughs> had the blessing of coaching many, many a years. And there's one where I'm, um, we ended up, you know, we lost a school for like seven straight years and we were growing our program. And I hope you hear me say this with humility, but at this point in our, our school's history, we've won like over 250 team championships. And back in the day when we won our third championship, it was like a district level. And um, there's film footage of me jumping, literally doing a spread eagle like a cheerleader. And by the way, cheerleading is a sport and they're yeah. very athletic. But I'm like doing a spread eagle and it's off a of one step out of my mind, so thrilled for a victory um, that we had won like by one point. And I used to be embarrassed about the video, but I'm like, okay, one step, who knows how high the vertical was but that was captured on film. And so, yes, Danielle, um, there is a little bit of footage of my enthusiasm as a coach. I'm going to need to see <laughs> and, that. <laughs> and an ID. Yeah, because I've got this visual of Mike because I've known him for, for a few years now and I've gotten to spend a lot of time with Mike and uh, Mike and I talk almost weekly, uh, even to this day. Um, and just to, to, know, to know Mike's passion um, and Mike's passion is not just for life. Mike's passion is for CPA and what they've done there. And you can understand somebody who's poured 35 years or 30 plus years of their life into a, a school and helped develop it from scratch. That's, that's understandable why it's his baby. And that's why it would be a passion of his. Uh, and, and so for him to see that passion probably portrayed when victories happen and I tell my coaches all we've been blessed to be able to win some state titles. And I tell my coaches, you appreciate every one of them because you don't know when that next one's coming. And for Mike, when you're, when number three happened, that was a huge moment for their school. And for Mike, it wasn't just for the kids that played. It was for those people who have poured so much of themselves into that place. That's right. No doubt. And you know, um, as I'm sitting here thinking with you guys, the real unsung heroes are our spouses. Um, you know, when you're, when you're thinking about the world of being an athletic director or being a coach and you have a supportive spouse, like I have had an incredible supportive spouse um, who has, who taught fourth grade for 15 years, but we have to have those anchors in our lives. And my wife, Mary has been that for me through thick and thin through deacons and elders through <laughs> doing a, a spread eagle and painting the bus or whatever it might be. So um, that's been, that's been pretty precious. So Mike, I don't want to put that story to bed. Well, I got to put that story to bed and I knew you probably don't want to hash it out anymore. Uh, <laughs> what, what story can you give us now that uh, can, can continue on this, this conversation that we're going? You know, I would say, you know, thinking back, uh, when you're growing a program from scratch and you don't have fields, if you will, we had to have, um, there was early on, we didn't, couldn't afford soccer goals. So we had a welder weld together steel pipes and, you know, put the, put frame up two goals. Well, he did it up on one field and we probably had to carry it a quarter of a mile. So we, you know, you get some students and we're carrying it and we're all like tongues are hanging out. We're exhausted and we get near the end. And I look over and two of the young men 
we're hanging on the goals while we're carrying these goals. Oh, boy. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) One of our early coaching hires, this is probably early 90s. One of our coaching hires, I'm not going to say his name, but he and I laugh about it to this day. He was so calm. He said, gentlemen, put the goals down or put the goal down. He went over to the two individuals that were hanging and he hung them. He grabbed both of their hairs of their head. And I don't know how he did this by the hair of the head. He lifted them off the ground and he shook him. He's like, you enjoy being up off the air. You will not do that ever again. He sets them down. We pick up the goal. We go move it down to the field and then we go get the other one. I have thought about that image. And again, you had to be there and I'm not doing a, not doing Thorny or Dan Talbot or Becky or whatever. They can add a lot of flavor to their stories. But if you were there, that was like one of the most funny moments I've ever experienced. And I just started crying. I was laughing so hard, you know, watching him lift these students off the ground, pulling their hair. Now, I don't know what would happen today. But back <laughs> Back in 91, that was okay. But I, I'm sure you know what would happen today. <laughs> if we're going to be honest. Now, if he could have picked me up by the hair, that'd been really impressive. But that's not as impressive for me as for some other people. But he, um, I just go back to the, I mean, if you're laughing so hard, and I, I again, I go back to, I, I understand it's 91, but was there not a way to haul those things you know, with a gator or with something to get that that down there where you wouldn't have to carry them? We couldn't, we couldn't, we didn't have a gator. We didn't have a golf cart. We didn't have anything. So we ended up taking it to what we called a field of screams back in the day, which is now this gorgeous place we call the den. Um, But we, we didn't have a choice. And so we just, we used to get students out of class all the time. We need your help moving things. And when you're built, when you're a builder, when you're building a program from scratch, those are just the little things that I guess you could write a book about it, but people may not believe it. But what I didn't believe, and these boys are like 14, 15 years old, I couldn't believe the strength of that man. I guess adrenaline would just kicked in to no end where he's shaking them, saying, you will not hang on those goals. <laughs> was the rest of the trip silent? Like, it was just a silent trip. I bet you those boys weren't talking very much after that. It was, except for me crying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if I, if I was you, Mike, I would have said, I'm not saying anything to that dude. I mean, <laughs> those kids by the hair, he may pick up me by the hair, too. <laughs> we waited about five years before, and I finally, he dies laughing now when, we, when I bring it up. Uh, but for him, it was like, what, just one of those moments, you know? I, I think the funny thing is you guys just picked up the goals and went about your business. Not, I mean, the fact that you, you just saw these two kids being grabbed by their hair and then you're just like, oh, it's nothing. All in a day's work for picking up this thing and moving it back down there. Oh, and then we got to go get the second goal too. So it's exactly. just all a normal routine for us. The, ta- the task at hand. <laughs> I mean, that, there's something to be said of no matter what happens, you just continue on and you carry on, adversity may hit. Um, I, I'd be willing to bet those young men didn't hang on those goals again. Oh, no, of course not. I don't know I went to his classroom again. <laughs> well, and this was pre the dates of having to have the 
the goals anchored down so that they couldn't topple over on somebody, apparently. Uh, but if they were welded, they may have been heavy enough. You wouldn't have had to worry about it. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Remember, these are steel poles that were built into or turned into a so- two soccer goals. They're not light like they are now, where you know exactly. you can go grab five kids and move them quickly. Exactly. <laughs> well, you can almost move a soccer goal today with two people. Mm-hmm. Well, especially if they got the wheels on them now that you can rotate them around. And you probably would have log- loved to have wheels back then. No doubt. Well, and that's where the perspective of just looking back on all the years has just been so awesome. And what a privilege to get to see it from the literally the womb or from birth, you know, to to where it is today. So so when you moved these goals, did they stay there after you moved them or did you have to move them every game to get them there where they needed to be? <laughs> no, they 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 stayed down there for a year or two. Yeah, they were permanent. <laughs> I bet those two young men weren't asked to move the goals again. So no one wanted to move the goals after that. <laughs> and I don't even think they played soccer. They really sacrificed <laughs> for the program. <laughs> I bet you. I also I bet it. you those those boys have never forgotten this story either. No, <laughs> those boys <I> remember. <laughs> there's no doubt. Now I don't bring it up to them, only to the coach. Yeah. <laughs> now in his sixties. How how tall was the coach? Like five ten. Oh, no, that's so what he, I'm saying. And these boys were like five, five eleven, six foot, and he just he just lifted them. I mean, the brute strength that I witnessed. <laughs> You've heard of cars being lifted, you know, in an emergency, if you will, which is not funny. But his adrenaline was so sky high. I don't know where he got the strength. It's like uh, Samson, all of a sudden, in between the pillars. <laughs> I would I would think that'd be hey there's my first strength and conditioning coach right there if he can do that really he knows what he's doing <laughs> that's just my thought anyway I mean exactly and, and your stories make me think Mike I'm like <laughs> over here trying to wrap my head around all your story but let's let's ask this question Mike what are takeaways from that I mean there's got to be takeaways from those I mean every story we've talked about in this podcast and with this episode 10 and this is a big milestone for us but as we look back on it for you mike what are are some takeaways or a takeaway from that situation that that you have even now that's some 30 years later well it's it's the whole basis of what you all are doing with your podcast let's have fun uh ronnie carter was the executive director of twsaa retired about 10 years ago and i asked him i said ronnie do you have any advice for me you know, as, as a next generation. And he's like, Mike, make sure the students have fun. And so all of those stories just built fun into the dream and the vision and the growth of the school. Um, but I think it made me appreciate all the little things. Like when you have to literally with your bare hands, you've got to move these things or teach your young men um, and cheerleaders and parents about, you know, we're going into hostile territory with deacons and elders and you just like, <laughs> you got to, I think expecting the unexpected is a big takeaway, but it was so much fun growing it um, from nothing and nobody can ever take that away. And, and I think we did it right. I think we did it well. And those little stories um, gave our community, okay, you got dads bringing a welder 
a half an hour before a soccer game because the the steel, the the weld is coming undone or has cracked, and they're having to weld it, and the officials are coming over to inspect. Is the goal good enough or safe enough to, for us to play? I think all those little things, Dustin and Danielle, are, have made it fun. Um, maybe back in the day it, it didn't feel fun at certain points, but it's made it all uh, pure joy, um, if you will, to be able to grow this from nothing. Well, clearly you had fun because you were crying. You were laughing so hard at the situation. So how long did it take you to grab hold after that? Did they carry on without you while you were having your moment of laughter? Oh, no. They had to have me because the goals were so heavy. So I just (laughs) I couldn't even wipe the tears away. (laughs) You just had to jump right back in. Yes. I'm like, guys, I'm sorry, but what I just saw, I still can't believe. And, <laughs> and those boys didn't say anything. But like I said, uh, the coach and I have died laughing about that since that time. Well, I think I would have died laughing from the time I put that goal back till we had to go back and get the other goal. There might have been a lot of laughter in that moment for me. Oh, no doubt. No <laughs> doubt. We will not hang on those goals. And, and – You've since had better goals. I say better goals. I don't know if better is the word. You've had more easily movable goals than what Lighter you had. Goals. At that point. <laughs> uh, <but laughs> better goals, I guess, is the way to put it. So um, we've talked about deacons and elders. We've talked about welded goals. Do you have another story for us that can uh, enlighten our day or brighten our day a little bit? I would say be careful on giveaways. And so in the late 90s, I'll keep it there in case anybody hears this. um, We had a local dentist want to put their business on little gold basketballs, right? Little spongy handout at the handout at the door. Um, What we didn't we just see a giveaway where oh at a hockey game. Where Pete works, there was like some giveaway, and they were just somebody had a hat trick or something. They were throwing them all onto the onto the ice. Did y'all see that? Yeah. I, anyway, so we give away these little gold basketballs. Uh-oh. Thank, thank you, thank you to the dentist on the most heated, hated rival game of the night of the of the season. Well, we win a close game by like two points. We shake hands. We're walking off the floor. One of the students in the student section who's been heckling the opponent all night long. Remember, I'm the AD and the coach. But when I'm coaching, you're laser focused on the 32 minutes and the scoreboard and in between the lines. He gets this idea. He's walking along. He steps on one of these gold basketballs. He steps on it. He stops. You can see if it was a cartoon, the the idea light bulb pop up above his head. Hey, I've got an idea. He bends over, picks up the ball, and throws it into the visitor section. Well, it turns into a battle ball contest. Two young men who, if you knew them, you would appreciate the story more. They were helping you know, throw the gold balls. They're like, oh, there's our mentor. We're going to follow his lead. And so they rifle them in. I asked these two young men, 
the one who threw the ball, he, he was guilty, confessed to me, and we've laughed about it since. Again, he's in his 40s now. But the two young men, I watched the game film and see them follow their mentor. I said, gentlemen, did you all throw the gold balls? No, sir, Coach Elson. No, we did not. We did not throw them. I'm like, guys, come here. I want to show you the film. When I showed them the film, this may not be professional, but I was sitting there crying, laughing so hard. I'm like, guys, you're on. And back in the day, in the 90s, film was a lot more rare than it is today. But they're launching those gold balls in against this opponent, this rival. And, um, you know, I had them dead to right. So anyway, you had to be there. Uh, but it was hilarious and, and another crying moment, if you will, of laughter that, um, you know, following my mentor. So, Dustin, you're my mentor, so I'm going to watch you. And if you start throwing gold balls at Danielle, then I may be tempted to pick one up and start firing away. Well, so, see, was, I feel like you kind of dodged a bullet here. Like, did the visitor not throw them back? Was there not like this big... Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. There was, yeah, you can see on film, they start firing them right back into our student section. And thankfully, the melee, there was no melee, like no fights broke out or anything, but it was pretty intense. And um, we never gave away a gold basketball um, with a business logo on it ever again, because they turn them into weapons. <clears throat> so where were you during this time? Oh, I'm going through the handshake line, and then <laughs> <laughs> and you just see balls flying over here. <laughs> oh yeah, and you know what's funny? I cannot find, I cannot find that film anywhere to save my life. And I just think God's saying, "No, Mike, I'm not letting you have that film." <laughs> Again, that was another, you know, crying moment of um, joy. And when you're coaching a game, man, and it ends and it's been intense and it's your rival, you know, you want to see that you want to get through the line and then get out of there. So little did I know, but I asked the student filmers, I'm like, guys, keep the film rolling after the game. I want to see if we have a celebration or whatever. And sure enough, they did. And we were able to to see the culprits. So watch your dodgeball game and live footage, right? <laughs> This was this was in color. This was where you could see. I mean, we're talking late nineties, and some of our listeners may not understand what film was like then, um, but it was color, and you could actually see what was going on. Oh no doubt! Like I said, I, I saw the two exactly, and they were rifling any any ball they could find. They were just picking it up and and firing it away. So this straight dodgeball ends up what happening? They're just firing it in. They're just trying to throw balls at each other. Exactly. How long, how long did this happen for? Was this like an extended period of time that there was this? Oh, like, yeah, it was like two or three minutes because the police. Oh, oh boy, y'all know Andy, Andy Griffith. Andy oh yeah. Griffith show. Oh yeah. I won't say which police officer, but one that sat in the bank. That was <laughs> what our students has as a nickname for one of our officers was like Asa, <laughs> and he just standing there watching all this unfold. Like you can't make this up. It's like a movie. So did you did you get in harm's way? Were they aiming at you, or did you? Did oh no, you I got out. I got, I got out of there. Yeah, yeah. I, I shook hands, and then we went the stairwell because I had to go talk to my team. 
Yeah. You had the he coach hat on. I was like, he put the coach hat on real quick. I was like, good luck out here, everyone. Threw that AD like, hat away. <laughs> you all deal with it. <laughs> Did you have an assistant at that time? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. No, I'm not talking coach. I'm talking athletic. The administrator on duty at that point was not you. No, it was like our head of school who said it was one of the worst <laughs> nights he ever had as the head of school. <laughs> like, how do you even stop that? Like, you have police there, your head of school's there, you're there, and like balls are flying back and forth. And there's like no quick way to end this impromptu dodgeball game. That is. Yeah, that's like the nightmare, I guess, of, of free giveaways, right? Throwing things up into the crowd are the same, right? You're going to have the same expectations. Like, I was always concerned someone was going to, like, die for it and, like, fall down the bleachers. Like, all of these nightmare yeah. scenarios are occurring in my head. And it happened for you. No doubt. No, we watched it. But, again, we haven't given one away since. <laughs> well, I, I, I have a life rule, Mike, that I do not intercept a punch intended for somebody else. And I'm not going to get out there and intercept a ball that's intended to be hit or thrown at somebody else. I'm not going to get out there in the middle of that. Um, you know, we we had a soccer fight a couple of years ago, um, and when they when they I mean when I talk about a soccer fight, this goalie <clears throat> from the other team came from about 40 yards and was on dead sprint and speared one of our kids, and everybody's asking Dustin, why weren't you out there sooner? I'm like, I. I'm going to let him get tired first and then I'll get in there and get in the middle of it. But I'm not going to get out there and intercept a punch intended for somebody else. Like you weren't going to intercept the ball intended to be thrown at somebody else. Well, and they were going 90 miles an hour. One of the guys that was throwing them is like a fastball pitcher on our baseball team. It's not like they were lobbing them into the student section. Is it safe? Is it safe to say there's like hundreds of balls just flying in every direction? Yes. <laughs> yes. So it's like a food fight. Once they see it going, it's it's on them. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say war zone because that's too too serious. But it was kind of like a a war zone, if you will. If you were looking at it, just like all these images of balls going back and forth. People are talking. How, how big is the gym? Just so we can get an idea of how. I mean, is this like an arena like now, or is it a tight space that it's kind is? Of like a, Twelve thirteen hundred seat gymnasium. Okay. Yeah. Were the and parents in on this? And a close game, and all the factors that would make this even yeah. raise the level even more. You know, Danielle, the parents weren't involved, but I never got a complaint from the parents <laughs> because they were involved in the rivalry as well. It was. It's like a community rivalry. It's not what it used to be, but it was intense. So they kind of sat back and just like laughed at the situation too. Didn't really intervene. Didn't contribute. But they thought it was entertaining at your guys' expense. Yeah, and if if they um, didn't think their reputation would have been tarnished, they probably would have been firing them as well. Well, that's one of those situations where you can just have everything in place. You can have everything done correctly. You had the police there. You had the admin there. Everything is done correctly, and you just can't control, you know, that passion and the rival. And it just it just happens, and you kind of got to figure it out after the fact and roll and roll with it. But I'm, I'm glad that didn't happen in my gym. 
Well, think about it. You're like glad a, a business is going to sponsor mm-hmm. you money to your school. So you're mm-hmm. like, thank you, but you better know what you're giving away. That that's the, that's a takeaway there. I feel like you should call that the the dentist back and be like, let me tell you about the exposure you got last night. <laughs> oh, he he was at the game. <laughs> his, his children were probably firing the gold balls. I never I could see them on. The- <laughs> But, oh yeah, he was at the game. Him and his wife. Yeah. What did he say? Did he say anything? He's like, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> had a little smirk and a smile under his breath. When you have a community rivalry, you guys know this. It's deeper than the students and coaches. Yeah. It's at the restaurants and the grocery stores. It is. It it just it's twenty four seven. But I'm glad that it wasn't like a bowling ball giveaway um, in, in this kind of situation. Uh, I mean, at least the thankful thing on my part is it was a gold ball that probably wasn't real hard, um, especially if the kid stepped on it and smashed it a little bit. So, I mean, it could have been a lot worse than what it was. Not saying it wasn't bad, but it could have been a lot worse had the had the giveaway been something a little more solid. Do you all remember um, Dwayne Shensis played for Florida? played yep. basketball in the 90s. Do you know what happened at Vanderbilt? Like he got in trouble or something happened with him at um, at Florida. Well, Florida comes to Vanderbilt. They throw tennis balls on the court. It cost Vanderbilt the SEC championship because they teed him up because it was, the game wasn't over. Florida goes and hits technical free throws, gets the ball, ends up scoring a bucket and wins the game. Whew. So there you go. Speaking of, yeah. Did you see, speaking of, did you see Lane Kiffin throw out the first pitch the other night? Yes. <laughs> and I know that's close to home because it's Tennessee, but Danielle, if you didn't see it. I did not. During football season at Tennessee, Ole Miss, the fans of Tennessee pelted the field with all kinds of stuff bottles of mustard who brings that into a game i don't know but bottles of mustard they were throwing tennis balls they ended up throwing a, throwing a golf ball and hitting lane kiffin with a golf ball and this was from the stadium i mean they're not people on the sideline they're actually fans and so lane kiffin the other night when old miss is hosting tennessee i believe is what who they were hosting he walked out through the first pitch and it was a golf ball he had the baseball in his hand, but he dropped it and threw a golf ball as his first pitch. That's funny. <laughs> Was that against Tennessee, Mike? Absolutely. And I think the Ole Miss faithful really enjoyed that moment. Yeah, I'm sure they did. <laughs> I'm sure the I'm sure the Tennessee fans did not appreciate it as much, but I mean, just some of this stuff that happens even now, and just fast forward that I mean, Mike was talking about a story that was in the late nineties. And here we are now in twenty twenty two. And this was a real life situation that happened. And this was fan behavior. You don't have a plan for somebody bringing a bottle of mustard and throwing it on the field. Um, But stuff like that could happen. And that's, that's, that's the crazy thing in my mind is that's, I guess it just evolves with the time. That was something that happened in, in the late nineties, but this is a relevant event that happened just this year that we're referencing right now. Getting hit with a bottle of mustard or a golf ball would hurt. I mean, I feel like the takeaway for this for high school ADs is like, if you're going to have giveaways to their games, make them soft. 
That's the number one thing. If you're going to do it, make them soft and squishy. But I can't even imagine, like, I'm guessing the bottle of mustard was full. You don't throw an empty one. So, so I don't know what that the would hurt. Would be. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they had to delay the game in, in Knoxville because of all the stuff that was coming out. And it was like Mike said, their mentor, they saw one person do it. And then all of a sudden, here we go. The Donnybrook happens and they start throwing it all. And it's, I mean, everything. They're throwing beer cans. And I've seen the prices of those beer cans. And maybe this is just because I'm so cheap. <laughs> but I wouldn't have thrown it. if that. I mean, one, I wouldn't have the beer. But two, I wouldn't have paid that price and then thrown it and wasted that money that I just spent. No doubt. No doubt. That's I would have drank it first. Um. <laughs> so it, it just, I mean, some of these things that just blow my mind. Yeah. And Mike, I know you've done this a long time and we've got some very young ADs that listen to this and we've got some very new in the profession ADs and then we've got some seasoned ADs. Um, as you look at these three stories and as you begin to wind down your time as an athletic administrator on a campus, what does what advice do you have for our for our AD listeners at home that uh, may be tuning in to say, hey, how can I how can I maintain and, and continue doing this? Because the lifespan of our ADs is three to five years. How do you have that stamina to make it 30, 30 plus years? Well, number one, I think it goes back to Ronnie Carter's advice to have fun. Um, you know, I talked about the my spouse Mary just being an incredible anchor. Um, supporting me through thick and thin um, when things are going awry, just being that anchor, if you will, of support. Um, you've got to have fun. You've got to enjoy this. And I have still do not have it figured out, but try not to take yourself too seriously, which again is the beauty of what you all are doing with this podcast. You're bringing the lighter side of athletic administrative moments uh, to the forefront. Uh, I, I think just, you know, have fun and, and surround yourself with good people. That's really, really important. Who, what's your inner circle? And I've been telling our students this semester at Belmont University, we have 22 in our interscholastic sports admin class. And I'm like, I want you to think about, is an athletic director a manager or are you a leader? And for every young AD, be encouraged to be a leader you're going to have to manage and do things in the unseen that nobody will ever know. You can't expect to get any credit, but be a leader. Your coaches, your parents, your student athletes, they need you, they need you to be that community leader, not a manager. And so that, that's my encouragement. And to me, if you're that leader, then you can have that sustainability that we need in this profession to go instead of three to five years, Let's take it from seven to 10 and beyond. And don't use the athletic administrator as a stepping stone to being a principal. Take pride that it's a premium position of leadership in, in our school settings. Well, you, you talk about being a leader, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get real deep with this, this comment. and may blow your mind, uh, but the old statement is, if, if you're leading and nobody's following you, you're just out for a walk. Uh, so make sure that as you're leading, you have people that are that you're leading. 
uh, I guess is the way to put it. Not just be a leader and say, well, I've got the title because I'm the athletic director, so people have to follow me. Um, that's not being a leader, and I don't think that's the leader you're talking about. No, it's having an innovative mindset. It's it's being having a growth mindset. It's reading great books. It's it's taking every LTC course that's imaginable that's out there. That's it's having conversations like I've had with both of you throughout this past year, especially of just iron sharpening iron. How can I get better? Have people in your life that are going to be willing to speak the truth and share your weaknesses so that you can turn those weaknesses into strengths. I think that's really important. And that was well said, Dustin, by, by you um, to just make sure you you're not doing this. You know, you're not usurping your power. Uh, because of your title only. Titles mean jack nothing. Uh, it's the journey and the people you're around that really, really matter. Well, I think we've also learned that if you need a bus painted or a house painted or goals carried, Mike is your guy. So if you're around the Nashville area, Mike is your guy. <laughs> and if you're going to the AD conference, the National AD conference, uh, Mike will be prevalent in that because it's being hosted by in Nashville. Um, which is going to be an exciting time in December if you're going. Um, and I, I can speak on behalf of Mike. I just know Mike's heart. If you have questions, if you want to reach out, Mike's a great resource, and he's willing to pour into you. Um, and the cool thing about Mike is he makes you think like you're the coolest person in, in the world. Um, and that's just a gift Mike has when he reaches out to you. He makes you feel like you are, you are the best AD in the world. And that's that's an incredible compliment to who Mike is. Thank thank you, Dustin. And yes, please, I, I would love to make connections with folks and even give my cell number. Um, I don't know if you've been collecting cell numbers. Have people been giving those out? Well, I've got all the numbers, but I don't give them out unless you <laughs> tell me I can give them out. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Uh, I look forward to because you know when you end up trying to help somebody, they end up twofold helping you. Uh, so it's a boomerang effect, and uh, that that's that's an awesome way to to develop relationships and friendships in this profession. And we all need those bat phone phone calls where if we're having a hard day, we can pick up the phone and call and, and get some advice, encouragement, and help. And, and and just sometimes to see the lighter side of things, right? Because if you're going through it, it may not you don't find the funny until years later. So I would like to, you know, encourage people to find the funny sooner. Like you did everything, find that funny sooner and just kind of laugh at yourself and then and then spread it so somebody else doesn't get stuck in the same situation. And that's kind of what we're trying to do here. Um, but yeah, having fun, I think, is, is really important to, as we as we're talking about, extending the years that we see um, people in the AD role. I think that's a, a huge part of it. The more fun you're having, why would you want to leave? So, so I, I encourage that and reaching out and having that work of ADs is just so, it's, it's vital and everything you do, Mike, thank you so much for, I really, you know, I say that wholeheartedly when you are improving the athletic director profession, um, with everything you're doing. So thank you. Thank you for being here today. And thank you for all of your contributions. Thank you so much, Danielle and Dustin. It's been an honor to be on this podcast and hopefully one or two or three of these stories will will be able to help others um, if they're able to listen. So thank you.